Welcome to the River Hills Church Deep and Wide podcast. Each week we'll be going a little deeper and casting the vision a little wider based upon what we talked about on Sunday morning. So we are so glad you joined us. Stay tuned as we get rolling into Deep and Wide. Well, hey guys, welcome to the podcast today. I'm so glad you chose to join us and I sure hope you were at church yesterday. We celebrated our sweet 16 and what a day that was. Food, fun, reminiscing about what God has done over the last 16 years, as well as looking forward. And I hope you have your key as we talked about the keys of you in moving the gospel forward in our community and around around the world as we talk through preparing and planning and praying and remember to put your feet in the water like Joshua and the priest did there in uh, the Jordan River. The water did not part till they put their feet in. And so we're putting our feet in here at River Hills Church. And today we have a very special podcast. Now, I'm going to explain what's happening here. Um, today um, is not going to be your traditional podcast. Typically, we talk about the message. And this connects to our message some ways because we dealt with a lot of what we're looking forward to and a lot of the things that are happening in River Hills and what have happened at River Hills as well as we prepare and plan and pray to move forward over the next 16 years. Now, as many of you know, and maybe you don't, one of the cool ministries that have at River Hills is something called Soul Care. Soul Care is a ministry that helps people really overcome some of life's hurdles. We all have challenges. We all go through grief. We all have relational issues, financial issues, issues upon issues. And if you have a mom or dad, you probably have dysfunction somewhere in your life. Everybody does. You're not immune to it. And so we created this ministry several years ago to help people move past that. And we have several trained, what we call mental health coaches. Now, don't let that phrase scare you off because as we talked about about a year or two ago, if you have ADHD and I took the test and passed, if you dealt with depression, if you've been anxious, if you have dealt with anything in that realm or even beyond PTSD, frustration in the sense that grief has overcome everything, that would be defined as a mental illness. Now, we know that our God is big. Our God is powerful. Our God is a healer. And that's one of the things we love about the gospel. However, we also understand from scripture that we need each other to help move forward. And so today for our podcast, I have the privilege of interviewing one of our wonderful church members. And before I introduce her, what we're going to talk about today is a very sensitive subject. It is Suicide Awareness Month, and this is something that has touched my life. Many of you who are listening, uh, I think everyone has contemplated at least once in their life what it would be like to take their own life, or maybe you've been touched by someone who has taken their own life. Uh, here at River Hills, we are not a stranger to that. And um, we staunchly proclaim the gospel and acknowledging that Jesus is a healer. And, um, and we'll deal with some other specifics in a few minutes. But I want to introduce you to one of our church folks, and her name is Caroline Larson. How are you doing, Caroline? I'm good. How are you, Pastor Chip? I'm good. Caroline and Chris have uh, been a part of River Hills for six or seven, eight years now. Since 2014. 2014. So, wow. That's yeah. Like nine years. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, I remember meeting you guys. And then I remember what I, what I remember most is you guys just got married. I was sitting in Chick-fil-A. I was really hoping this cool couple would come to our church. We were a very young church then. You guys were going out west to go tour and do things, and you came back pregnant. And now yeah. we have Miss Josie. And so yeah. we're so, she's exactly. so sweet. Is that right? Yeah. That no. Well, basically, what I remember is we originally went to... Uh, story church i do remember those guys yeah. yes and we had and, a connection with yeah, those guys and they referred us to you because they guess they didn't have the funding they needed mm -hmm. to continue their church and so we really liked them they were really like wonderful good, genuine people but anyway so then they said river hills so we started visiting and then right before our one-year anniversary trip like five days before i found out i was pregnant yeah and so we were going cross country for like three months. I remember that. Yeah. And I was I, jealous. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Right. It, it was, look, it was a little bit tainted by the fact that I was in my first trimester. Yeah. So I won't lie. I, it was a challenging trip, but it, it taught me a lot too. So but. did you, uh, is, you know, in some of the places you went, is there one place you'll say I'll never visit again because I was so sick? Um, oh gosh. 
Um, spot a little bit but i think well it wasn't that i didn't like utah because i did but just the vastness of it and then just the sun beating down (laughs) on me and being in my husband's truck which was actually his dad's um dodge diesel and it was like shaking and the smells and and i and chris was like look at how gorgeous this is and i was like it just looks like death to me (laughs) you probably because you felt like death right that's what i told him he'll never forget that because to him this was just the epic moment (laughs) of all times and and i was like i looked up with the sun you know i had this big hat on to cover my whole face (laughs) and i looked up and out the window and i was like oh (laughs) nothing but land and sun and dust and dirt oh man hey look if you're listening and you're in utah or you love utah i was there this summer wonderful state beautiful it is i liked it look i was just pregnant oh you're pregnant that's right i get it my (laughs) wife will never go back to kansas because of that so that's another story for another time so yes we're here today and i'm so grateful you reached out to me and said you want to share your story walked with you guys through the story and i think our church needs to hear it i think everybody needs to hear this and so let's just start with this question if if tell us your story as it pertains to suicide awareness and what you really want to share okay well i really appreciate it first of all um uh like a month ago i had i was literally visiting my parents i was asleep on the air mattress in their room because at this point they're still working on their house and <laughs> being empty nesters now they actually can have a guest bedroom <laughs> anyway so i was in their room and i just had like this incredible feeling that i've never i mean i've always wanted to share the story about jeremy and to share um my experience with my family and with mental illness and all of that but I was just laying in bed and it was like, I want to say it was like two or three in the morning. I could not sleep. And I just felt this, like, almost like this fire inside me. It was like a really strange, like kind of warm, but like intense feeling of Caroline, like pay attention. You need to share and Mm -hmm. like, you need to share soon. And I was just like, well, I've wanted to do this for a long time, God, but I guess I I haven't been really ready, but I was like, for real? Like I was just having one of those like burning bush Moses moments Yeah, yeah. where I was sitting there like, but God, I don't know if I can do that. And then God, I was like, I, but who am I to like say anything? Like I, I have problems. And then God's like, have you not looked at scripture? Like you've yeah. seen how I use people that have brokenness. And I was like, you're right. But anyway, I had this dialogue going on, but anyway, so I'm here now. And I honestly want to share uh, my journey of family, loss, grief, hope, and the redemptive work of the Mm. Lord through uh, these experiences that I've had. Um, So I guess a little history about me, because some people may or may not know me completely. Um, I was born and raised in Sugar Hill, Georgia, which is in Gwinnett County. Yeah, yeah. I am 33 years old. I'll be 34 in October. Uh, and some days I feel a lot older than that, even <laughs> though I know I'm still very young. Having children does that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it really does. But um, I am one of seven, so I'm really? the second born. You are the second born. Yes. One of seven? Yes. Two, How was that like growing two, up with seven? Two, two girls, five boys. Bless your heart. So with my parents, there are nine people in our house. Oh, my so, gosh. Yeah, it was it was crazy. I do remember that we had a 12-passenger van, and that's what I learned to drive on, which oh. was terrifying. Ah, and, really? and it would beep when I backed up. People were always turning their heads, looking at this little girl in the front seat driving that thing. And my dad was always like, you're going to kill us. You know, when I first was learning. But anyway. So um, can, can I pause for a second? Yeah. You are one of the most easygoing people I've ever met. Just chill. Oh, I, I try. You are. I feel There's like no, I'm uptight. Sometimes. You're not at all. And having, knowing that now that you had had eight siblings makes perfect sense now. Not yeah. eight siblings, nine people in the house. Yeah six siblings oh my gosh yeah you just and that's probably why i only have one kid to be (laughs) i mean no offense to big families big families are awesome but there's also i i think just helping raise so many siblings because you're you're there's responsibilities you have when you're one of the oldest and i always had a kid on my hip so (laughs) i feel like i'm kind of like now getting to sort of have some freedom in life. I know that yeah. sounds really weird, yeah. but like when you when well, you're yeah. one of the oldest, you're, you're like, a whole team there. Yeah, you know, that's and exactly. most of my jobs consisted of babysitting yeah. and childcare, and so I was like, when I finally got out of not being around kids all the time, and don't get me wrong, I love kids, but 
Anyway, yeah, I get it. Go. So, I but go. Yeah, I digress. Sorry, 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 listener. Sorry. There, grab it, grab it, cool grab stuff, it. though. All right, go ahead. Oh, no, you're fine. Um, anyway, uh, I grew up in a Christian family and it was a tremendous blessing, like in so many ways. I'm so thankful for my parents and the way that they raised me up in the faith, and then my grandparents. And like that's played a huge part in my family and the closeness that we still have mm. to this day. Yeah. Um, despite the fact that at one point we were all like completely broken yeah. in every single way possible. Um, that we've always had like that deep connection. And I feel like it it comes down to my parents and faith and training us up in the way we should go. Um, but anyway, uh, but despite all that, um, we had major addiction and mental illness over the years. Really? Um, starting from my early teens with panic disorder and depression, um, all the way to my mid thirties, I've had anxiety, depression, um, addiction, myself, shame, guilt, and even self-harm, which is mm. not something that, you know, it's hard to talk about because sure. you don't want to talk about doing stuff like that. But when you get to such a bad place with shame and guilt, it makes you yeah. want to do that. And the you, thing yeah. is, what a cool, like, people need to hear this, like, straight up. Like, yeah. when you listed all those things, I was clicking the ones I struggle with, you know, yeah. anxiety. I've been depressed before, and we've all struggled with shame. And, and we all have, you know, I'm still addicted to caffeine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there, well, there's shopping addictions. Yeah. There's, there's, um, it doesn't always have to be a substance. I mean, right. it could be uh, even a food addiction. Yes. I mean, there's so many. I know a guy that was addicted to donuts and it almost yeah. devastated. I'm serious. It devastated his life for a while. Yeah. So yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh no, no, seriously. That it's good to like, know there's so many different. Yeah. Types. We call that normal. Yeah. And that's why we need the gospel. Right. <laughs> I know. Right. Amen to that. Um, but anyway, so uh, with all this being said, I definitely would like to share the last two to three years of my life. Um, on January 16th, 2021, I lost my 25 year old brother, Jeremy Brown to suicide. Um, I'll honestly never forget how river Hills came through for me and my mm. family, because my parents didn't have the same experience that I've had at this church. Unfortunately, as involved as they were in their church, the pastor had, I think the secretary reach out to mm. my parents, which was pretty devastating for them. Whereas I had you calling me, I had Pastor Ron calling me, I had L uh, one of the elders, Wilmy and Jessica, leave me a voice message, like as soon as y'all could get in touch with me. Um, we also had a meal train that I'm pretty sure Angela and the small group put together mm -hmm. or someone. I mean, there were so many people that reached out to me and made me feel loved. And I have a gluten allergy, so I had people <laughs> making gluten-free food for me. So that was a real blessing. but. Um, yeah, just, I'm so thankful for the countless prayers and gifts and cards and flowers and just that River Hills like really came through and not everyone has that during this kind of loss, but, um, when you experience something and you know, every church fails, our, our church fails all the time. Yeah. And, uh, but, but, you know, one thing that I think is important for us as believers is to continue to care for each other. And yeah. everybody needs it. And our church has been there for me too. And so I'm so thankful to hear that. Thank you no. for sharing it oh, yeah. with me. I don't care I about people listening. It makes me, I'm, no. getting, I'm, I'm getting a little teary. Oh my gosh. <laughs> You're like, are there any onions? Around? I know, right? <laughs> but anyway, yes. So I am beyond thankful and grateful for my church family here. And um, I'm not to bash my parents' church. I'm not sure. even going to put out any names, but I'm just saying I, I felt bad for them. But y'all even came through for my parents and I remember you gave my parents a gift and it was like a wooden cross for my brother. And you were like so humble about it. You're like, don't even tell them that I bought it. And I, of course, told them, yeah. but they were really just touched by that. Um, so, so, Carolyn, tell me a little bit about Jeremy. Who was he? What did he, you know, what? where did he come in the birth order? What? Tell me a few things about okay. him. I mean, yeah. I, I know you, we shared before you've talked to me about how much you loved him. And yeah, so tell me a little bit about him. Yeah, Jeremy was a very unique individual that, I mean, there's so many things to say about him. Like, I can't even 
honestly, it's hard to even know where to begin. He was a very eccentric kind of person. Mm -hmm. He loved the outdoors. He, he had a love for the Bible and theology at a very young age. Really? Yeah. And he, I mean, the amount of scripture he knew was pretty amazing. And, and um, it's unfortunate that he, he kind of, he went through a time where he dropped out of school and, and he, and he was, by the way, very, very smart. Like he didn't even, I mean, I think when he got his GED, he only studied maybe for like an hour and then he went in and got it. And of course, passed it all with flying colors. He was that one that like was the top A student. He was first chair with his trumpet and in the band. I mean, one of those like high achievers, um, but he had so much brokenness and a lot of stuff from his past that we didn't really pick up on until it had gotten to a point where we couldn't turn back. Yeah. And my parents, you know, they didn't quite pick up on the fact that three of their sons, when they dropped out of high school and they were like, well, homeschool, they didn't realize that they were getting an education, but in drugs. Mm -hmm. And um, it even got to a point where, you know, my brothers were selling drugs and it got to the point where we had the SWAT team come in our house. Wow. And my parents, like a home, like I said, a Christian home, you would have never thought that this would be my life. And um, we definitely have gone through the fire for sure. But um, there's a lot of trauma yeah. that you guys carry. It sounds like your brother really carried. Oh, um, yeah. That's just, you know, it's relentless. Uh, I read, I heard a. I heard something yesterday that, you know, and for those, all of us have some form of trauma. You, yeah. you, you've gone through it. I've gone through it. And they said, you know, you've got to deal with trauma like a buffalo rather than a cow. Have you heard this before? I've loved this. They said when a cow sees a storm, it runs and the mm. storm keeps chasing him to the point it exhausts itself. But when a buffalo sees a storm, it goes head on and then the storm passes and it's okay. And they wow. enjoy the fruit of the storm. And I'm like, oh, that's a great, we got to face that <laughs> stuff. Really, right. Yeah. A lot really of times. Good. You know, whether it's mental illness or whether it's trauma or whether it's just past yeah. addictions, you know, we don't face it. Well, and it's hard, too, when you have like my parents from the baby boomer generation. Yeah. What's tough is their parents were just the they didn't know they had PTSD or yeah. from World War Two. Like I look back and I, I see why my parents didn't have the level of knowledge that they probably you know, they needed for my brother and his upcoming struggles and then my other brothers. But at the same time, it's not their fault. No. It's like they they're handicapped in some ways because and they had to learn along the way what to do. And I can't say that I would do 100 percent a great job in that circumstance. Yeah. Um, having to put your son in a mental health facility like seven different times mm -hmm. and him not taking his meds and just just the up and down crazy yeah. battle. And so at one point, you know, like when Josie was born, like all three of my brothers were struggling three out of the five wow. with meth addiction and just, I mean, insane stuff. Um, which I'm happy to say one of my brothers has been Amen. sober for almost after family intervention for like, um, and his hard work. He put a lot of hard work yeah. into going to, um, I think it was called Good Landing. Yeah. He went there for like a, a good while, but he's like at least four or five years sober. That's now. awesome. Yeah, I'm awesome. married. So They're married, all right. Yeah. So anyway, but besides all that, that's that's another rabbit trail. But no, um, but they, these all connect, and but yeah, it's important for people to understand that. And you've got it. So tell me more. Tell me more about like the whole struggle. Yeah, Jeremy. Um, he didn't start developing schizophrenia until. Because he has schizoaffective, so he mm. had it's schizophrenia and bipolar mixed, yeah. which is kind of the worst two combinations you yeah. could possibly have. So you have like psychosis, but then you also will have like these manic kind of and just the mood swings that were yeah. insane. It got to the point where he would say, "I'm sorry for what I said yesterday. I don't even really know. Like, can we start over?" Like he mm. wouldn't even remember some of his psychotic episodes, which got to be. You know, and he would tell my parents, I'll take my meds like when when, you know, they start coming on. And my parents were like, well, you you won't know when it's coming on. Yeah. And so it, there were there. It was a very challenging way of life for my family and Jeremy. We didn't really even realize the internal battle that he was dealing with until it just started to unfold over the years. 
and you know just him doing bizarre stuff like wanting to go up and pray for people like in Atlanta Bread Company and us cringing because he would just do very strange things and he felt like God was calling him to do this and but we all knew that and one lady got really kind of like weirded out by him coming up and putting his hand on her and he went, he didn't really ask permission and <laughs> just stuff like this yeah. and like but then God used him in so many ways because he had an experience where he went in the mall and the Lord told him to pray over this family and there he asked if they needed prayer and it was him with someone from church and sure enough he prayed and that girl that had a hurt leg received healing so mm-hmm. it's like I know God used him but he had just such a tremendous struggle from dealing with um, just issues anywhere from child neglect, not saying that my parents emotionally, yeah. like we were, it's weird. I, I would say we are, my family were very, very loving. Everything they did was out of love, but sometimes there was a level of ignorance in there and they just didn't. Well, I think your parents are normal. I think yeah. most people too, I think, uh, and I mean, you know this now, it's just like, we're just now starting to get educated about mental illness and, this, oh, yeah. and the church has been behind, unfortunately, in some of this stuff. Oh yeah. It's just kind of like pray over it, pray through it. Yeah. Just, you don't have, have enough, enough faith. faith. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's wrong. <laughs> that doesn't help. And it's, yeah. it's, it's more than that. It's more than that. And the reality is when we look at scripture, we see people with mental illness. We see people who are uh, traumatized and, and, and even, you know, just feel like they have to struggle with these past demons. And even, yeah. even the apostle Paul talks about, he had a thorn in the flesh and mm-hmm. some people think it was epilepsy. Uh, others argue that point regardless, it was traumatic for him. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, I think, I think uh, as far as your family goes, they're normal. You know? Oh it's yeah. It's just so, you know, it's just what we, we do. Right. Well, yeah. And like I said, it just, they weren't, it's like expecting it's like my sister she's she's gone to therapy for many years for her own mental health struggles with eating disorders yeah. and that kind of thing and i remember her telling me her therapist was like you know holding up a teddy bear and she said katie if this teddy bear was missing a limb you wouldn't expect it to just get up and walk right or you know a mm-hmm. missing a leg are missing both legs you wouldn't expect it to get up and walk and she was like well no and she said you can't expect your parents to know things they don't know that's right and like if they're handicapped in a certain way they're learning and growing just like we all are absolutely and so that gave me a lot of grace for my parents mm-hmm. in some of this and we've had our tough times and there were some times where us siblings had to work through a lot of forgiveness and mm-hmm. like we all had parts to play in jeremy's yeah. story good and bad um but Jeremy, I think, had also secular sexual abuse that we didn't know about until later on because he started to have dissociative identity yeah, disorder yeah. stuff. And that's when we kind of started to figure out that I think he had been wounded in that way, Yeah. Um, whether it be from, you know, extended family. I mean, we we never were really told what happened with all that. Mm-hmm. So. Um, so that was the hard part. And he would, he would allude to it, but he would not actually like tell you specifics. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like, we knew there was more in that. And that's where Um, that shame comes from. You know, you don't want to say, Oh yeah. And, and, you know, you're sitting here talking about how, um, all the different things that your parents or you or siblings may have missed. And you know what? Nobody goes into life expecting this. Or even looking for it. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, I think what people who are listening, who've gone through, you know, people who lost or taken their lives or who are struggling, just know there's grace mm-hmm. from Christ. Oh, yeah. And give yourself some. You, you can't know this stuff, right? Yeah. I mean, there, you can try, but nobody knows the depths of a person's mind. Oh, yeah. I mean, truly you know, you can't judge, like only God can judge a man's heart, you know, and at the end of the day, um, you know, his ways are not our ways. Yeah. So, so as you guys walk through this journey together, tell us a little, tell me a little bit more about, you know, what happened. Yeah. Um, like actually what what happened, I mean, how, you know, I know he he took his own life. Yeah. We don't need to know specifics on that. We know it happened. But tell me a little bit how you guys process that. What was your reaction? How did you, I, I hate the word, how did you feel? Yeah. Because every reporter yeah. in the world says that, but but really, um, I know you're ori- taking it back. Originally, um, 
when it actually all went down, uh, we all were at different points in our in our evening when it happened. Mm -hmm. My parents were actually headed to get locks for the garage door because they were worried that like we never really to be honest i never really thought jeremy would take his own life i i just i guess it's like we knew there was the possibility because he had said some things over the years but nothing had ever happened and i guess we just i don't know i thought more of him having a car accident or because he was pretty sporadic when he drove and he he would bump into things and I guess I thought more of him having like some kind of accident on his longboard and going out in front of a car or by accident, or I I don't know, like there were different things. And also with the way our society is, it was becoming scarier to have him out in public because Mm. our society does not take very well to people saying weird things. And let's face it. They're like people treat people with mental illness as if they aren't human they don't at times yes yes, at times and i and yes i understand they are they're scary but they are somebody's love you they're valued and they are people so anyway but jeremy yeah i was worried more or less like we we knew he was going to pass away young it got Mm -hmm. to that point Mm -hmm. where every picture like every video it i was like always telling my sister i this might be like the last one you know like i mean you know, you don't want to think that, but there were many times that it just was like, you know, it's just like you would look at him and you'd be like, I don't know how much longer I'm going to get to have yeah. with him. Yeah. Can I can, it just, you know, you said something a minute ago um, about people who are struggling, whether it be mental illness, whether it be trauma or just being weird, I guess, at times, because yeah. that's what it comes across like, right? Yeah. Um, And, you know, you said they had value. And I think that's, uh, you get me starting to cry here, Carolyn. Uh, you know, what the gospel tells us, what, what Christ tells us is there's value in that person, you know, and, and, and regardless of what they're struggling with. And I think about this a lot when I go by people who are asking for food or, you know, even lying about needing something or actually needing something and hold up a cardboard sign. You know, God values that person as much as he does a person who has influence, right? Yeah. And it's so important for the church to remember, right? Would you agree with that? I mean, what, what are your oh, thoughts yeah. on that? Oh, yeah. Um, like I said, I mean, my brother, he he had a heart for the gospel. He had mm. a heart for the Lord. And he was a very, very broken individual. Yeah. And he was hurting and he had an internal struggle. But I think that almost pushes the the gospel even more because yeah. it's like, God can use such a broken person and like you or me or, but, but someone with like the issues that he had, I, I've never seen somebody personally that had suffered as much as my brother. And it was hard to watch. And there were days that he was like, I'm taking on the suffering of Christ. Like Mm -hmm. he always would talk about that. And, you know, and he had a bunch of little YouTube videos that he did. And we always would cringe because we're like, Oh gosh, what's he going to say? And he was just a very creative person, but he loved the Prince of Egypt. And so he has, um, he has in this basement video where he was living at one point, he was renting. Um, and he has this, he had all these um, sticks. Like he loved hiking sticks and he loved, he, he really thought he was like Moses. I'm not kidding. Like, I think in his mind, he really, he, it, I mean, you know, he just, that was someone that he looked up to in the Bible. Yeah. And so anyway, he had all these little pool sticks for playing, you know, pool. And he was dancing. He made up dance moves to um, the Prince of Egypt soundtrack. <laughs> and and we have it on film and and they actually were pretty good moves. He was, he was flipping these sticks and I'll have to send it to you. It was pretty hilarious, but um, that's just how he was. And he was praising and worshiping. And yeah, he may not have been like mentally all there, but now we have those videos and their treasures to my family because Absolutely. I literally feel like I'm sitting in the room with him when huh. I watch them because he's, you know, he's always like, be salty in your peculiarness and and he said, you know, don't don't listen to what the naysayers have to say. <laughs> and my brother just had these little ways about him and he would quote scripture and he was constantly talking. One, The name of his little video was like Beauty for Ashes, mm. which 
oddly enough, that has been a huge theme in my family's life. And based off the Bible verse in Isaiah, mm-hmm. you know, it, I'm, it's just crazy to me looking, looking back. I'm just like, he, it's almost like a foreshadowing in a weird way. I don't know. Like, I feel like God, God already knew. Well, I mean, obviously he already knew. And Jeremy was speaking things for where we are now in those videos. And so it's just God's so good like that. Um, but as far as like how my family responded to all of this, it was very traumatic uh, to get the call that my brother, you know, wasn't alive. And I don't really remember a lot. I know my, one of my brothers, Jonathan, was with me that night. And Josie at the time was still pretty little. Mm-hmm. And we had been hanging out. And oddly enough, I was going to go over to my parents that night, but it didn't work out. And now I know why it didn't work out. God already knew that would not have been a good thing. And um, but like I was saying, my my parents, I said before that they were going to get a lock at Home Depot, they Home Depot for my brother because they were worried about him. Well, while they were gone, my brother Taylor was downstairs. He was on meth at the time. And Jeremy was upstairs and I won't go into grave detail of how it happened. Um, but that's where he took his own life was Mm -hmm. in his room. And, um, my brother was so high, he didn't know what was going on. And my parents literally got to home Depot and they're like, why are we here? And they could not remember for the life of them that they were there to get a lock for Jeremy. And so, you know, they felt a lot of guilt because when they got home, and they figured out what had happened and my dad found him you know it was um and the neighbor came over and tried to revive him and because she was really close to him the little lady across the street named marie and she prayed and she was like he's he's gone you know he's not here anymore and the way i see it is he flew out of his body and was like i am free i'm with (laughs) i'm with jesus you know and it was it it's amazing because you don't think of, with suicide, you know, especially there's a lot of misconceptions and just a lot of things that are just not biblically sound that people have. And some of it, I think, stems from like, from what I've read, like the Roman Catholic Church, they kind of have this idea of, of suicide as a mortal sin. Right. And um, so the, you know, the whole, the main thing is most people nowadays, they still have a backwards view. Absolutely. Of, and and look, if you didn't know the Lord, then yeah, you're not going to be in heaven, most likely. I mean, obviously, but if we follow the word and like Jeremy had a desperate moment then mm-hmm. and a point, a point of hopelessness and he, whatever personality that came over him or the enemy, like he made that decision. But at the same time, I look at it and and I'm like, I look at his whole life and the history of his life and the fruit of his life. And I can't sit here and say, you know, that he's not in heaven because I know that he made a commitment very yeah. young and he followed the Lord. And there's so many scriptures that that back it up that, you know, just because he had that one awful moment doesn't it doesn't define his life. And the other thing is nothing, not even suicide can separate Mm. us from the love of God and, and, and his grace and mercy. And, um, so, so, you know, you're sitting here talking and you said this, and I just turned to this in my Bible, by the way, and, 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 you know, people, people have that misconception, no matter what happens, if you commit suicide, you go to hell. And that's just not biblical. And if you know, Christ, Regardless of what happens, like you said, there's a desperate moment. He made a choice. It was a wrong choice. Yeah. But he, if he knew Jesus, he went to heaven. And I, I go to Romans 8. It says, what then shall we say in response to these things? And I love that. Mm-hmm. What in response to these things? It says, if God is for us, who can be against us? Mm-hmm. We like to read that as like, everything's going to be okay for me here on this planet. But the reality is your yeah. healing may never come on the side of eternity. Oh, yeah. And and I mean, and and. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Then we got to look at this as a heaven perspective. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies when those, when the, who then is 
the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is interceding for us. And he, this is what you said. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? And you can put suicide, right? Yeah. And uh, he says no in all these things in verse 37. And, uh, we, we are more than conquerors. Isn't that cool? Oh, I mean, yeah. and, and Jeremy is that. Yeah, he, he definitely embodies that like, um, like I said, when I look back at the fruit of his life, I see Christ, like despite all the drugs and all the other things that he dealt with, um, I see his heart and his heart was always for the Lord. Absolutely. So um, when it comes to, you know, when people ask, I'm like, I know without a shadow of a doubt where my brother is yeah. like it, it, it took a while. There was a moment in time there where I felt like the enemy was just through people trying to say stuff. But I was like, no, I reject that because I know the truth. I know what the word says. And um, I, like I said, I mean, if it were based off of, you know, like our salvation, first of all, it, it just goes against the Bible completely when people are like, oh, they're not in heaven. When you know, for a fact that that's not how the gospel works. The gospel is basically like, uh, your past, not only are your sins forgiven for your past, but your present and your future. Mm. And so when I look at that, I think about Jeremy and all those sins forgiven and that, you know, he can stand in the presence of the Lord and in thy presence is fullness of joy, Amen. you know, and that's where he is today. And it gives me hope for like, I never thought I would feel so close to heaven but now that I know that he's there and obviously I want to see the Lord, the Lord's the most important, but I know I I used to be kind of afraid of heaven, but now it's like I have eyes for the eternal, like I never did before. That's so, amazing. I love yeah. that. Eyes for the eternal. I want to steal that. <laughs> uh, copyright that now. Uh, <laughs> so let's, let's, let's switch gears a little bit. Um, process with me your healing through this personally. It's all, it's all God. I mean, I, I couldn't have made it without him. I don't know how people make it through something this tragic without God. Yeah. And those that I have seen that don't have God, there's just this emptiness and mm. there's no hope. And, and it's so sad to me because there is hope, you know, yeah. and, and the person of Jesus Christ. And, um, but my healing process, uh, so during like the last almost three years, I've gone through the valley of the shadow. Absolutely. <laughs> um, what helped me so much, though, was having Christian counseling. Really? And um, I went to the Barrow Ministry Village for like probably like five years, I guess. And this was during the time Jeremy was alive. Yeah. And I was with Becky Lee. Um, and she, as you all know, she's an incredible person. I, I love her very much. And um I look up to her uh, greatly, but, um, and, and then and I, I want to pause there for a second. Yeah. Some of these people listening know who she is. And, you know, if you go to River Hills, you may have heard of her. She's over our soul care ministry here, but yeah. also, and, and Becky may kill me for saying this, she's a grandmother. And so she's following that pattern of first Timothy mm -hmm. where older women mentor other or younger women and yeah. older men mentor younger men. What a cool thing. Yeah. And she, she was like, kind of like a mother, mother hen figure for yeah, me a little yeah, bit. Yeah. Like she did. She you came that. she came alongside me and it was like she's been there, done that, and that made a huge difference um in preparing me to go through the future. Cause she had warned me of that Jeremy that schizophrenia doesn't get better. It gets worse mm. if not treated correctly right. and with the right treatment. And Jeremy he fit all of that. So but anyway, um and then I also went to Abundant Life Christian Counseling yeah. um, with Betsy, which Betsy, um, it's funny because you have Becky Lee and then Betsy. And so I would get their names mixed yeah. up all the time. <laughs> but um, I, I just want to put like a little note in here, though, for the church, like when people tithe at our church, they're not only tithing and investing in the kingdom and, and the work here in the church and in the lives of people, but they're investing in hurting people like me. And like, I was able to go to the Barrow Ministry Village and, and qualify to pretty much have it virtually free wow. for those years that I was there. And then even in abundant life, God worked it out for me financially mm -hmm. in that way. So tithe is so much more than just 
just giving money to, to the church. It's like really investing in people. Absolutely. And I'm living proof of, of that. So, well, I, I'll say this for people listening if they need counseling. If you need counseling, you can't afford it, we'll find a way. Yeah, Always. exactly. God's yeah. provided for me, for you. Mm-hmm. That's what we do at church, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, going back to like my healing journey through this, um, the years following Jeremy's suicide, I felt a lot of guilt and shame, which I talked about a little bit earlier, um, eventually led to self-harm. And I even had like suicide ideation or mm. suicidal thoughts myself, um, which is hard to say. It's not something I like to talk about, but it it was a low point in my life. Um, I also struggled with alcohol addiction, uh, Celebrate Recovery, which is another awesome group at our church has helped in so many ways for me. And, um, I haven't felt like, you know, when you go to celebrate recovery, you feel, you know, very much like accepted and loved and not judged. And that means a whole lot because we all have problems. We all have hurts, hangups, and that's right. Hurts, hangups, and habits. (laughs) That's the mantra, right? Yeah. And I loved that. But, um, and I and sometimes I'm able to go with my schedule and sometimes I'm not, but there's never any judgment. Mm-hmm. And I love that about them as and it's not just for addiction. Like there's all kinds of yeah. you know, healing that you can find through that oh, yeah. resource. Um, but I will say that in my healing process, there was a very low point that even I got scared of myself, mm-hmm. like how low I had gotten. And um the first or the one year anniversary of Jeremy's death, God really spoke to me in a big way. Um, I was like, like I said, the suicidal thoughts, like I was in kind of a bad place and I was driving to my parents and we were going to have, you know, like a memorial thing for him. And I was driving and I was listening to the song, Be Thou My Vision, Mm. which is pretty amazing because I connected the dots later because I literally had a vision while I was driving and I don't know how to explain this, except that I, I, I it could only be God because I was driving, but I was having a full blown vision of Jeremy and his face appeared when he was younger and it was lit up and he was happy and he was OK and he was whole. And then I saw Jeremy in this white robe and it cracked me up because I could so see him in a white robe, you know, walking with Jesus. And I know it sounds cheesy, but he like looked back at me and smiled, but then I saw him kind of reach out his hand like he was going towards like to follow Jesus. And it was outside and it was the neatest experience because I was also listening to Be Thou My Vision at this exact moment. And then it was like, I ended up at a red light and I don't even remember how I got there. And like I said, I, I was driving, but I was experiencing seeing something while I was driving Josie was in the car. Thank the Lord. Like I made it, but I like, I got to the red light and tears are just streaming down my face. And like, I felt this overwhelming peace that I have never felt in my life. And it was like, God was like saying, let me give you a little glimpse of what your brother's experiencing now. And that is heaven. And when I have those low points, I think back to that. I think back to no more tears, no more pain and beauty for ashes, you Mm. know, and, um, sorry. Um, Oh yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. It just, it was just one of those moments that like, I was at a very low point, but God was like, I'm just going to give you a taste, just a small taste of what is to come. Mm. And it was, it was like otherworldly, like it was not here. Mm. And it just made me realize like, what we're fighting for here is so much more than what most people think, you know, like in light of eternity. And of course there's a huge fight and battle here and I'm not ready to go to heaven anytime soon, but at the same time, I'm like looking forward to it. Eternal eyes. Yes. Right. (laughs) Yes. And that's a beautiful thing about, you know, what you're, you're, you're describing. And, and I do, I do want to clarify, you know, the vision, the dreams that people have, while they are miraculous, aren't as common as we would like to think, but they are common in other areas of the world and many lives are sick. And, and God does that still. Yeah. And to be sensitive to that stuff. And it seems like for you, you know, he definitely gave you, you know, I've, I've had family members and me personally have those moments 
mm-hmm. uh, and God in his grace. And that's what it's called. gives you those moments. Yeah. Uh, and it, it brings about that eternal eye that you have. Yeah. No, oh, it's so good. Like, <laughs> like I said, when I start having any kind of dark moment, I just think back to that. And it's like, God was like, like Caroline, like you got to look, like I said, the eternal eyes, you have to look past what is here and now, because there's so much more ahead for us as yeah. believers. And that that's what keeps me going is fighting the good fight of faith. You oh, know, man. that's so good. I yeah. was, uh, I had the opportunity to go to Yellowstone National Park recently, and uh, I was just captivated by the scenery and the geography. And you've been out West, you know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about. It's, it's so beautiful. And I just had this thought. It's like, guys, like, you see, you think this is good? I know, right? <laughs> just wait. <laughs> I know, right? It's like Josie, my, my seven-year-old's always talking about, because she, through this experience, it's grown her in a lot of ways. And she's she's not afraid of death. Like, like she talks about all the time. Well, you know, I, I know I shouldn't want to go to heaven, but I do really want to go. Like, <laughs> and she talks about it all the time. And then um and she's like what we're gonna see so many colors there and different things and 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 just you know out of the mouth of babes you know like she just says these little things that and she's even said things like out of the blue that I've just been like wow that's a god moment like through my healing process with Jeremy she'll just be like well you're gonna see him again and like stuff like that and and I didn't tell her to say that you know Mm -hmm. and um and God even prepared her ahead of time before I, we lost Jeremy, a little bird had died in our garage and we don't know how it got in there, but it, it was perfectly whole and fine. It was under Chris's truck and we found it and we had a little ceremony in our backyard. And when Jeremy passed, Josie made that connection. And she mm-hmm. said, you know, she said, it's Jeremy like the little bird. And I was like, yeah, he's like the little bird. And she says, he going in the dirt. And I said, yes, but he's alive and well in heaven, just like the little bird, you know? So it's like, God even has been doing great work in my daughter's life and Chris's life and our marriage through all this. And it's beauty for ashes. Right? Yeah. You know, the thing about suicide is this, this man's last attempt in desperate moments to take control. Yeah. And, you know, we look for heaven uh, and God's timing is so much more beautiful. And these are just the wounds and the, the hurts of, of the world yeah and uh thank god for the gospel right oh yeah oh so for sure let, let me ask you a couple more questions before we run out of time and i know you got a lot of material and save it because we're doing a video later and uh you're ready for that okay all right so for those who are struggling or contemplating suicide what would you say well i would say first of all you're not alone and that you're very much needed and that God has a purpose for your life, um, that without him, yes, life is hopeless, but with him, anything's possible, and um, you're never alone, like, there are people, like, you can call the crisis uh, hotline 988, you can text it or call it, Um, and there are people that are professionally trained there to help, there's also NAMI. I think it's the National Alliance for Mental Illness. Um, you can, they have lots of resources. Um, another thing that really helps and has helped in my family's healing um, process um, has been the Out of Darkness Walk mm. that they have, which is, um, I believe, I cannot think of the name of the group. Um, there's like, I cannot remember the name of it, but anyway, there is a group. It's just look up out of darkness walk and it's like a community walk and, and it's people who have been directly affected by suicide in one way or the other, whether it be a loved one or fam, you know, or a friend or whatever. And that's like another area that you can get help because they have free resources there to help people. They have tents set up to talk to people and, and that's that's local on the local level. It's yeah. in our community. I've gone to two different walks and um, they, you know, MedLink shows up like there's all kinds of resources. And and, and, and again, we we have resources here at church if you need something. Well, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. Add to it. Too. Yeah. We got a, we got yeah. a parcel of this stuff and call us. Yeah. We want to help. And if you're that desperate, 911. Yeah, call no, it. Yeah. There'll be there are people in our community that are trained. Uh, last two questions here. 
for someone that has gone through it as a family member or a close loved one or someone, how, what, what would you tell them if they've gone through it and they're just like, I don't know what to do next? Um, well, the grief process, first of all, it's, you have, death is already hard enough as it is, but when it's su- suicide, it, death by suicide, it's a complicated grief. And I would strongly say to seek out counsel because it's a lot to work through on your own. And there's so many depths and just the amount of layers. It's like an onion. You peel back one layer, then you have another layer of yeah. stuff that comes up. And um, it's usually complicated. It's not something that you, the way I look at it is it's like, you never get over it, but God gives you everything you need to get through it mm. if you allow him. Absolutely. And that's what I found in my own story. Um, and there may be times even years from now where yeah, you need okay. to go do counseling. Oh, yeah. And don't not do that. No, know, and I'm an, I'm an advocate for counseling. Me too. <laughs> like big, big time. And um, our church, that was what I was going to say, even though I was telling you all about those other resources those are just kind of the ones off the top of my head, but church and your local counseling, Christian counseling uh, specifically has been a huge like thing in my life that has yeah. helped me in so many ways. Yeah. So get the helps there. Get yeah. the help. Oh, and grief share. There's grief. Grief share. share is amazing. You can do grief share, celebrate recovery. I mean, the list goes on. There are resources. So never feel like you are alone because that's just a lie for me. And, and, <laughs> and maybe, you know, somebody who is um, has gone through the death of a loved one by suicide. Encourage them and stay with them to get the help. You know, Rick Warren, a uh, pastor out in California, went through that with, a, with the suicide of his son. And he said mm-hmm. the ministry of presence was the most important thing for him as people came and just were there. Yeah. Um, so to wind things up. You've written something and uh, you're going to read it for us now. It was something you said at, uh, for his funeral, correct? And, yes, and- it was. It was literally by the graveside. And God was one of those things. I was up at all hours of the night. Seems like this happens to me a lot. Yeah. All hours of the night, the whatever they, what do they call it? The witching hour. The witching hour. I don't have them still. I know, right? So, so, yeah. So literally God, he gave me the words for this because I was so distraught and and grief stricken i can only you know say it was god well would you mind sharing that with us yeah you brought it with you i see it there on the couch so yes here it is (laughs) so okay this this explains more about jeremy as a person and the things that he loved and and all of that but anyway um my brother's story jeremy was brilliant he loved reading writing playing his trumpet He was into nature and building things. He loved woodwork and gardening, bonfires with friends and family. He loved longboarding around Sugar Hill. He enjoyed politics. Music was a huge part of him. And movies such as The Last of the Mohicans, Lord of the Rings, The Prince of Egypt, and anything Studio Ghibli has ever produced out of Japan. (laughs) (laughs) Jeremy... um, Oh, and he loved the Patriot oh, we have yeah. to, and Braveheart. We have yeah, to put I that in there. Well. I know, right? Uh, Jeremy loved accessories. His style was outdoorsy academic attire. He loved hats, necklaces, and scarves. He had the most beautiful blue eyes you had ever seen. He had Jesus eyes. <laughs> That's what we always said. He was ruggedly masculine and highly intelligent. Jeremy loved canes and walking sticks the youngest, oldest man you would ever meet. He was beyond his years and knowledge of the world. He knew more about life than most people. He also saw the world through a different set of eyes, largely in part of his mental illness. His reality was very different from you or I. Jeremy was intellectual as well as humorous. He did not ever waste time in conversation. He always had something very important to say. He was a philosopher. He was wise. He was kind. He was witty and funny. He was absolutely charming in every way. He was royal. He was like a prince traveling on a grand adventure, ready to scout out new lands and discover new treasure, overlooked by most. He was into board games that involved strategies. The enemy, Satan, excuse me, (laughs) the enemy, Satan, knew he had a calling on his life and he did not want Jeremy to succeed. 
Jeremy had schizoaffective disorder, which is schizophrenia and bipolar mix. He also struggled with an eating disorder along with dissociative identity disorder. He was broken by his failing mind and body. He was hurting and suffering. He was tormented in his mind. He wanted to be free from his pain. He may have appeared weak and frail, but on the contrary, he was one of the strongest people I've ever met. People say suicide is selfish. Jeremy was selfless. We had committed him seven times to mental hospitals. It never worked. I did everything I could in my human power to save him. My whole family lived and breathed trying to help save Jeremy. Our mental health system is broken. Unfortunately, the resources are just not up to par with what they should be for families who are struggling with these impossible situations. Jeremy's story has many pieces to the puzzle. His story and journey was multifaceted. There was never just one question or one answer. It was a very complex life for him and for the Brown family as a whole. Nothing simple about it, a dark daily struggle we did not share with many. It's not something most people would understand, living in crisis. Jeremy's only way out was to be with Jesus in heaven. His mind and body failed him here on earth. He was so precious to the Father that he called him home early. Jeremy just wanted everyone to see Jesus and for all the world to know him. It was too big of a burden for him. It was a burden he was not meant to carry. He is free from the pain that he endured in his mind and body. He is with the angels cheering us on and blasting his trumpet and praise to our Savior. If you're quiet just long enough, you might just hear him all the way from heaven. This is not goodbye, my dearest brother. This is see you later. Hallelujah. Aha, as Jeremy always said. <laughs> I think Jeremy's trumpet is heard through you. <laughs> Thank you for that. And that I, means a lot. And I think God uses you in powerful ways. And I really appreciate you sharing today. And I hope, I know it's going to make a difference with others. I'm excited. Um, I I was really, I've been nervous, but I was like, I I needed to, I wanted to be obedient to what God was telling me to do. So. You have been, and I really appreciate it. I want to finish with this and Colossians chapter one, it says that um, it, it talks about the glory of God, which is where we find our satisfaction and, and how we find that satisfaction. Um, and it's such an interesting text of scripture. Um, and, and specifically as we deal, deal with this, um, and, and how he dealt with it. And it says that, uh, to them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles, the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. I want to focus on that, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And, you know, for Jeremy, for those of you that are struggling, Christ in you is the hope of glory, is satisfaction. And for those of us that struggle with those who have gone, um, you know, and, and, and I don't want to, you know, suicide is sin, but it's forgivable. And and for those of us that struggle with this, I love this picture in Revelation chapter 21, verse 1 through 4. The Apostle John writes, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. Says, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautiful dress for her husband, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be the, be with them and be their God. And this is the best part, Caroline. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed. Which is amazing that you say this because I literally have, when you went over this recently in church, because I'm pretty sure you went over the same passage, um, I had written Jeremy and put a heart and I had forgotten about it. So uh, it's pretty amazing that you're reading the exact like passage of scripture that touched my heart how many of our Sundays yeah. ago. And I had forgotten that God had already shown me that. So it's really, you know, it's, it's just a Lord. God thing. It's just God. And, and you know, the, and I love this. The old order has passed away. All that mental illness. Yeah. And he's wiping away. And that kids. goes for me and you too. Me and you too. With all the struggles. Well, thank you so much.
Thank you for bearing with me. I know awesome. it's a lot. I know it was it's a awesome. Lot. And guys, thank you for listening. If you have a problem, if you know someone that has a problem, if you uh, need help, if you need counseling, I want to I want you to reach out to us at church 770-867-0909. You can also go to church at riverhills.com and look for the button that says soul care, or you can contact me directly at chip at church at riverhills.com. Love you guys. And we will see you next week for the deep and wide podcast. Have a great, great day.